Espresso, check. Microphone, check. Worthless Infinity Stones, check. My insane passion and love for this new Loki series, check. Alright, let's spoil it! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, mischievous people of all kind. Welcome to episode 16 of Pop Sea Underground. Welcome, welcome, welcome. The show that is bringing you unforgiving takes, passionate opinion on all things pop culture, news, reviews, media, and more from a fan just like you. Welcome. I am Jordan, the kid you copied off of at Superhero Camp. Thank you for joining if you're on YouTube, if you're listening to the podcast. Thank you so much, everybody. The time has arrived. Loki is here. And I need to preface this by saying major spoilers ahead. Major spoilers ahead. We're going to be spoiling the hell out of this thing. So we've been waiting a long time for these Disney Plus shows, and I have not talked for quite some time about it. So I'm going to go ahead and preface this entire episode by saying, guys, I honestly, I feel like I have been a little let down with some of the Disney Plus stuff that has come out. Uh, Not all of it. And I'm going to delve further into that. Obviously, we've only had uh, two shows with Loki being the third, but I have not been able to express my thoughts of the two shows we have had already on this podcast. So I'm very excited to be able to do that today. So I've been let down. I just want to preface by saying I've been picked back up. Loki has just yanked me up off the ground and restored my faith in the Disney Plus Marvel TV shows So that is what we got today. We are going to focus solely on Loki and the Marvel Disney Plus shows. All right. Hopefully you're excited for it because I am. Boy, I'm excited. If you can't tell, I really liked this. And I'm going to rate the three shows in the Marvel Disney Plus universe. I'm going to call it right now. I'm going to give them ratings. I'm going to list them from worst to best or best to worst, I should say. And I do want to mention, guys, if you want to, you can follow me on social media and see updates uh, all the time. That is at Pop C Underground. On Twitter, it's Pop C Underground. On Facebook, it's Pop C Underground. On Instagram, it is Pop C Underground. And you can email the show at popseaunderground at gmail.com. Got to get that out of the way before we start here. So with that said, let's hit on Marvel Weekly to talk some Loki. Parker, turn on the radio or something. Too damn quiet in here. Sure thing, Mr. Jameson. I loved this show. I love this show. I'm going to go ahead and start Marvel Weekly by saying I think that the Loki premiere was by a mile the best premiere out of all three Marvel Disney Plus shows. If we're just rating the pilots of the shows, Falcon and the Winter Soldier's dead last. WandaVision's up there at number two. WandaVision was really weird, but it really intrigued you enough to get you hooked and want to know more about it. So it's up there too, but this Loki premiere was so good. The choice of music, score, and soundtrack were phenomenal in this first episode. And I gotta say, great choice by picking it up in that scene in Endgame, which is the last time in a chronological timeline that anybody saw Loki, right? Great choice, starting off there. Because by doing that... They planted me into the MCU 
instantly and made me feel like this is an MCU show. This is an MCU property. Whereas WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier, they didn't really do that for me. It, it was weird. This Loki truly did. And then, oh my God, did I love the beginning scene where he's on the desert and the Time Variance Authority shows up. And that scene where she punches him and his lips are like just just flabbering, flabbering. I don't even know how you want to call it. They're motorboating, whatever you want to call it, man. They're just, I want to know how they did that scene. I'm really curious to know how they did that scene. Is that full CGI? Or I wonder if they filmed them separately, filmed, you know, Tom Hiddleston doing this in a slow motion, put a green screen behind him, and then went through and did the rest of the scene with the other people and then meshed the two together. I'm really curious to find out more about that. Now, Kevin Feige did talk about this show and has done some interviews as he normally does when these shows come out in the movies, of course. And he did say that Loki will have more impact on the MCU as a whole than any of these shows so far have. And I think that was made abundantly clear in the first episode that this show is going to have a serious impact on the MCU as a whole. We thought that about WandaVision, and that did not necessarily end up being the case. Now, of course, it did end up impacting it, but not like I thought it would. Not even close. It was actually more contained than I ever thought it would be, and we'll talk about that more here in a little bit. But this show is clear. It's going to have implications and ripple effects throughout the entire MCU, I believe. We could be wrong. Everything we thought about WandaVision pretty much did not come to fruition, so... I am so skeptical of anything that has anything to do with the MCU at this point. Any of the actors, any of the producers, the directors, anybody behind the scenes, anybody at all that has anything to do with Marvel, I do not believe you anymore. I do not believe you anymore. I just don't. I just straight up, I just don't. They're they're all a bunch of liars. Guys, remember that episode months ago because I had that hiatus here, but remember that a few episodes back on this show where we talked about Tatiana Maslany not being She-Hulk, and she is, and remember that episode, I'm like, but yes, you are. Come on, we don't believe you. And it's pretty much been debunked officially, confirmed that she is She-Hulk, so don't believe any of these people, okay? So I'm still technically not really believing Kevin Feige when he says this, but if I had to go by my own two cents and what I see, the first episode was very clear to me that this is going to have a major effect on the MCU as a whole. And the way that they set a tone for this show as a whole in the very beginning, in the first five minutes, they nailed it. They nailed it. The aesthetic of the Time Variance Authority location where they go to, the 70s type stuff blended with 80s type decor blended with modern future tech. It's brilliant. And we have seen this before, kind of. It's very similar to some stuff we've seen in Guardians of the Galaxy. And oh my gosh, is Owen Wilson amazing. This guy leaks charisma that is so unique to himself. Nobody, It's like nobody else can do what Owen Wilson can do and convey and talk and act the way Owen Wilson can do it. it the man... He's so unique. He doesn't work for everything, but there's certain little projects that I think he fits so well, and this is one of them for sure. So if I had to give out an Indie Award to individuals, I would give one to Owen Wilson for his acting in this, and I would also give one to Tom Hiddleston for his acting in this as Loki. Tom Hiddleston brilliantly portrayed charisma just like just like Owen Wilson did, but he did it with an ego, with a really good ego, and pulled it off brilliantly, like he has done as Loki the entire time he's been in the MCU. The dude has been a powerhouse as a villain and an actor. 
He brilliantly portrayed that, and then later on in the episode, when he discovers that he may really be the villain to his own story, he conveys that realization really well. Really, 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 really well. I mean, I was just, I was almost sitting there realizing it with him at the same time, even though we've already known this the entire time we've known Loki as a character. So, Tom Hiddleston killed it as well. They did so good. And this all leads us to that awesome retro grainy style video where they explain to you basically what we've been wondering since we heard about WandaVision. This video right here is basically what I have been waiting for and what all of us fans have been waiting for, whether you realize it or not. This right here is Marvel confirming and explaining how the multiverse is going to work, in my opinion. So, let's go through and touch up on a few key points that this video pointed out and explained, and a few other things that happened throughout the episode of Loki, the major key points that I want to talk about. First off, this cool little drive-in style video explains how Loki is basically a time variant, and by grabbing the Tesseract and ditching out of town, he basically committed a terrible, horrible crime. And this crime is that he created a new branch of a timeline that was very much explained in Avengers Endgame. So we kind of already knew this. We, we already pretty much guessed this as fans of Loki and the MCU as a whole. So we already guessed this. This is stuff we already knew. What we did not know is, they, is the video then goes to discuss and talk about how these branches, if there's too many of them and they get too crazy, that it would create another multiversal war of timelines what there's been a, a freaking multiversal war of timelines in the mcu already tell me more please if that doesn't make your head spin now I, i'm doing this right after i watch this so i have not uh, really delved into theories or rumors or anything like that and i'm glad i haven't yet because i wanted to do this fresh and raw first because man i'm sure there's going to be a ton of them an absolute ton of them. So first off, I'm just like, what do you, like, holy dog shit, you're telling me that there's another multiversal war of timelines that could possibly happen if they don't contain this kind of stuff? So then you're like, wait a minute, so who fixed the first one and who makes sure this doesn't happen anymore? Well, the video goes in and explains to you that it's the timekeepers. Who are these timekeepers? I don't know much about the timekeepers. I have not read a lot about the Time Variance Authority in Marvel Comics, and I've read a ton of comics. Guys, there's so much obscure stuff out there. You're never going to know it all. So I, I'm going to delve into who they are exactly later on on the podcast on another episode, but I, I do not know much about the timekeepers. But the video says that the timekeepers created the Time Variance Authority, and they also created all of the workers that work in the Time Variance Authority. So these are not normal people. So like that one guy who had no idea what a fish was, that's why, because his whole life has probably been serving the Time Variance Authority, and he is literally just a being created to serve that. That kind of poses a moral dilemma. Like, do you think that's okay? Are these timekeepers good beings? Are they moral beings? I mean, I don't know. That sounds kind of wrong to me. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. So I kind of thought about that, right? But then this leads me to question, what about Gamora? Why isn't Gamora 
on trial for her crimes, because if you remember in Endgame, there was another version of Gamora that escaped and ran off as well, and according to James Gunn, we're going to further explore that in the next Guardians movie, in Guardians Volume 3. So why isn't Gamora here? And another question is, when Cap went to go return all the stones and went back in time again, did the Time Variance Authority just kind of stand by and... Like, was that what he was supposed to do, and that's why he's not in trouble? You can't say that about Gamora, because Gamora lived out her life and died. And if the same applies to her, that applied to Loki, that he escaped and didn't live out his death, then how come she's not there as well? Maybe they're after her? Are we going to see the Time Variance Authority in Guardians Volume 3? I, I don't know, maybe. Just questions I'm posing here. Questions that, that really came to mind while Miss Minutes was explaining this to me. And Miss Minutes is the character who explains all of this to you in this cool little drive-in style video, who is actually voiced by Tara Strong, who did a little voice bit for my old podcast, The Supercast. I mean, she voiced, she, she was a very strong voice of Harley Quinn, probably the quintessential voice of Harley Quinn, in my opinion, my favorite Harley Quinn. So I think it's really cool that she's here to voice this. I thought that was, I thought that was awesome. But what she explains next is she talks about a Nexus event, and it's the combination of the multiversal war of timeline suggestion or mention, and then the Nexus event mention that to me really answers all the qu or not all of them, but a lot of questions that we had before WandaVision, the questions that were posed during WandaVision, and this pretty much lays the stage for the multiverse in the MCU, if you ask me. And I thought that was going to happen in WandaVision. And like I said, I'm going to talk about WandaVision more here, here in a minute. But this is big. This is huge. And this really gave me goosebumps and got me excited. But I think this really confirms and cements what's happening in the MCU. So, what is a Nexus event? Well, a Nexus event is one of the only few things that actually can interfere with the timekeepers in this sacred timeline that they keep going all the time in their big grand design. So a Nexus event, and this kind of ties into a variant as well, which is what they are accusing Lo this Loki of being. A Nexus event is basically something that happens when an individual and their pesky free will can interrupt that timeline, the timeline that the, the freaking timekeepers are making sure chugs along and are very adamant about with their grand design, apparently. It's basically something that interrupts that timeline, or, or sorry, an individual that interrupts that grand timeline that the timekeepers are keeping with some kind of action that does not fit with what was supposed to happen. This is called a Nexus event, and, it, and like they said, it could be something as grandiose as starting a war or as simple as being late to work. And these individuals who engage in Nexus events are known as variants. So Loki became a variant by picking up the Tesseract. We talked about this uh, a little bit ago. He picked up the Tesseract and fleed in, in this alternate version of 2012. The fact that this was a Nexus event, but the Avengers' extensive meddling in the time stream was not, is an example to me of how arbitrary the sacred timeline can be. That's what I was talking about earlier. Like, was the Avengers changing the timeline? Was that actually part of everything? Or was it not? It's it's very confusing, and it almost makes you wonder, is there motivation behind this timeline, and can the timekeepers change it? Do they mold it to their own will, to what they want, or are they following another plan? There's so many questions, but... The Time Variance Authority here, they've been charged with identifying these Nexus events, and this is what Loki is, and this is where we are here. 
And so I wanted to break down those main key points. Now, there's another part in the show where we see these worthless Infinity Stones, and this made my jaw drop like, whoa, Infinity Stones. And, and Loki and Tom Hiddleston portrayed this beautifully as well. I was just like, what? They're just in this drawer. And, and when that TVA worker mentions, yeah, some of the guys around here use them as paperweights, I'm like, what? So we come to realize that nothing, no powers work in the Time Variance Authority. Nothing at all. Not if you're a god, not if you have magic, not even Infinity Stones work there. That poses a ton of questions. How? How can this be? Does this mean that the Timekeepers are the most powerful of all? I mean, we've heard of the Eternals. We've heard of Deviants. We've heard of we've heard of Celestials. So are, are the Timekeepers Celestials, or are they bigger than that even? I mean, go back to what Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, you know, talked about. Kurt Russell's character, you know, Peter Quill's dad. And he had talked about the Celestials and kind of how they were the biggest thing that there was. Well, now, is there something bigger? Who are the Timekeepers? We gotta know so much more about this, and... I am so curious to see what happens. And then when that bombshell gets dropped towards the end of the episode, that Loki is actually the guy that they're after, that there's been this, this variant, this Nexus event that's been killing all these TVA authorities. And that, you know, there's been rumor and talk about it. And that's actually the first time we saw Owen Wilson's character. That, that is the very first time we saw him was when they were addressing one of these things where one of these variants had killed, you know, TVA authorities. And then at the very end, that end scene, it looks like, it, we're, we're led to believe that that is another version of Loki. I don't know if that's true or not. There's so many theories about that too. But it looks like he drew those authorities there to kill them. Like, it looks like he set a trap. So, who has a grudge against the TVA? Could it be this version of Loki later on? I mean, could this version of him have done something so crazy and insane that he even broke through the TV, the time variance authorities grasp and got outside of time and just is able to, has all this knowledge of it now and has, has seen the inside of it and knows how to work it. And ah, so many questions, so many questions, guys, it's time to rate Loki episode one. <sighs> I think you guys already know. It may be the first time I've ever done this. I don't think it is, but it might be. I'm too lazy to go back and look. I am going to give Loki five worthless infinity stones out of five. A perfect five out of five, awarding it the prestigious Undie Award. For those of you that do not know how the rating system on this show works and what an Undie Award is, my favorite TV show of all time is The Office, and I like to pay tribute to that show, and I do so by awarding Undies, which are very similar to Dundee Awards that Michael Scott in The Office gives out to his employees, which are crazy and nuts. So I like to give tribute to that show by giving my own award called an Undie for Pop Culture Underground. See what I did there? Yeah, I know it's terrible. An Undie Award is going to be awarded to this first episode of Loki. A temporary Undie Award, just like we did with Sweet Tooth on Netflix. So, a temporary Undie Award can always be revoked if the show gets worse. If it maintains a good enough score throughout the whole season, it will officially earn a permanent Undie Award for that season. So, the way I do ratings on this show is I do a five-item rating like I just did. I'll do a five out of five, four out of five, three out of five, two out of five, one out of five... Zero out of five, all that stuff. And if it's good enough, I will give it an undie award. The only other way I am going to start rating things is on a percentage basis. So this was a five out of five, and I give Loki a 100%. Obviously, it got an undie award. 
So what that means is that I enjoyed 100% of this episode. There was no part of this episode that I didn't like. I focus on a lot of things when I think about this percentage rating. And I have a little formula that I've made up that I can never explain. But Loki's getting a 100%. Let's go to the rest of the MCU and talk about the other two shows very quickly. And I'm going to rate each one and list best to worst. So as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, I was a little let down by these Marvel Disney Plus shows. And I was also a victim of hype and rumor and all of that. And I think we all were. And I think it all began with WandaVision. And I think WandaVision, unfortunately was the biggest victim of all of this because we did not have any Marvel content for an entire year. And all we had to do was speculate and speculate and come up with rumors and come up with theories. And we went nuts over anything. A Marvel book that came out got everybody excited. I mean, we were starved for content. So we were just coming up with everything, all kinds of stuff. Remember all the damn rumors that flew around for the Spider-Man No Way Home? I mean, shit, I still don't know anything about that movie because there's been so much shit going all around. I don't know if I can trust any of it. I don't know. So much speculation. WandaVision was expected to break through into the realm of the multiverse for the MCU. We were expected to maybe see Doctor Strange, Mephisto. I mean, Mephisto was the big one, right? All kinds of speculation. Guys, like, none of it came to fruition. None of it was true. It's almost like Kevin Feige trolled all of us and did this on purpose, and I I actually kind of think he did, but we all expected this, and none of that happened in WandaVision. In fact, I almost feel like we really got screwed over with Evan Peters as Quicksilver. I am so upset about Ralph Boner. I mean, come on, that's who he was. It's just, it was stupid, but WandaVision as a whole was a brilliant series. Yes, I was let down because I did not get some of this stuff, but remember, we're not owed anything, and I have to remember that, and I have to remember to just enjoy the show for what it is, and for what it was, WandaVision took a lot of risk, and it was beautiful. It was so good. It was so funny, but the emotion and the distress that she goes through at the end will make anybody tear up and cry, and I felt it, and I was right there with her and I thought it was a great series through and through, but because of the Quicksilver thing, because of the expectations, and I did get a little lost in those first few episodes, I felt like they should have went black and white one episode, not two. But whatever, I thought it was great, it was unique, it was different. I am going to rate WandaVision three and a half Mind Stones out of five. Three and a half out of five, giving it a solid 80% on the undie meter. Yes, the undie meter. Don't know if I mentioned that earlier. It's called the Undie Meter. Hope you like it. So, 80% on the Undie Meter for WandaVision. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Guys, I was not a fan of Falcon and Winter Soldier. I, I loved the last two episodes. The penultimate episode being the best one. Now, I will say the, the Falcon Captain America suit was ripped straight from the comics. I applaud them for doing that because that was a risk and it paid off. I feel like it was awesome. It was so cool to see that. But I ju it just couldn't hold my interest. I was not excited to watch Falcon and Winter Soldier. Guys, I let two or three episodes build up. I never thought I would ever do that with an MCU property. It just didn't keep my focus. It didn't keep my attention the whole time. And I, I hate saying that because I wanted to like the Falcon and Winter Soldier so bad. But I really feel like uh, White Wolf, or sorry, Winter Soldier, Bucky slash White Wolf, whatever you want to call him. I really feel like he got 
just kind of pushed to the side throughout this series. And I know it was supposed to focus on both of them, but I really felt like Bucky could have had a better character arc and evolved a lot more than he did. I, I really do. I was let down by that. I, I thought the villains of the series were terrible. Baron Zemo was great, but we didn't have him enough. I think he should have been the main villain of the show, but I, I was just let down by it. And so I'm just going to give Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, unfortunately, uh, a measly two and a half shields out of five. Two and a half shields out of five, and I'm going to give it a 50% on the tomato meter because I enjoyed about half of that show. It did not keep me, but the la I would have probably gave it like a 25% if the last two episodes weren't as good as they were. And the villains didn't even have to be great. And like a uh, uh, US agent, like what was that even about? I mean, he was really on a great villain track there. We were starting to hate him. I was getting pumped up. I was like, okay, yeah, we're going to fight him at the end. I'm in, I'm liking this. And then all of a sudden he's good again. Like, I understand you got to set up Thunderbolts, and obviously you, you've got it right there. You've got it set up. You've got the head of it already. You're set for Thunderbolts. But I felt like there was a better way you could have done that, right? I, I don't know, guys. I just was not a fan of Falcon and Winter Soldier. I just wasn't. So, from worst to best, I think Falcon and Winter Soldier was the worst. I think WandaVision's right in the middle. I think Loki's the best so far. From best to worst, obviously, Loki, WandaVision... Falcon and Winter Soldier, I have no idea why I did it two ways like that. I probably confused the hell out of you. So far, even though there's only been one episode, I think Loki is the best show so far. Obviously, if it gets worse, it it can fall below WandaVision. But Loki so far is number one for me. And yes, that is a little bit of shiny new toy syndrome, right? It's new. It's fresh. I really liked it. But even if I compare it, if we're just looking at, you know, put the strongest episodes of WandaVision and the strongest episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier up against this first episode of Loki, and I'm still picking Loki. I still think Loki was the best one. So Loki number one, WandaVision number two, Falcon and Winter Soldier number three, unfortunately. Still love it, still watched it, still appreciate it. And what, what it really ended up being was just a little side story for Falcon and Bucky to kind of show you what's going on between movies, between the last time you saw them in a movie and the next time you're going to see them in a movie. That's basically what these shows, I thought, that's basically what these shows were, because that's kind of like what WandaVision was. It, it did a lot of character work for Wanda that it d doesn't have to do when you see her next time in uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, because we know she's in that. So now you don't have to do a lot of this back work. You've already done it all in this show. Look at Falcon. When you see him in the next Captain America movie, They've already knocked out all of this work. He's already got the costume. He is now Captain America. He went through that. We, we've already got there. So that's cool. But it's kind of like, is that what you're going to use these for? Or so what? You're telling me these, this is not going to be the premium content. This is going to be the sideshow content. And the movies are going to be the premium things that everything builds toward. That makes sense. But it, it I don't know. It just feels like the shows aren't that much. But then Loki came along. The pilot episode has restored my faith. It was so good. It was so good. I loved it. I am so interested in it. I cannot wait to see what happens in this series. I cannot wait to see the doors that this series has already opened for the MCU. I mean, guys, we're talking about Captain America variants, Iron Man variants. We're talking about variants of any character, technically, that, 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 they, would, that they would want to do. This opens up so many doors. Now, you see how Captain America Steve Rogers actually can come back. Chris Evans actually can return and play him again, because we know he wants to. We know he wants to. You know, I think Robert Downey Jr. is definitely done with the MCU, but I do think he'd come back and do a little bit of voice work. Why not? 
so many possibilities. But once again, an Undie Award, well-deserved for Loki. Good job, good job. Loved it. All right, guys, I hope you are loving the podcast. I appreciate it very much if you've been listening. Please send me an email at popsyunderground.com. Hit me up on Twitter at popsyunderground. See, there's my phone right there. One of you beat me to it. I haven't even heard this yet. Jumping ahead in time. Are you a variant? Oh, I, I have become the master of dad jokes lately, let me tell you. At popsyunderground for Twitter, popsyunderground for Facebook, Popsy Underground for Instagram and popsyunderground at gmail.com. Send me an email, whatever you want. I'll read it on the show. Give me a review, whatever. It doesn't matter. But if anything, please go and uh, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That would probably help the show more than anything. And uh, I am trying to take this mainstream and uh, do, do this as a full-time job. So if you would like to support the show and help me get better equipment and keep this baby going, you can do so. There is a tip jar at the bottom of the show notes. Or you can send a one-time PayPal payment to secondratejordan at gmail.com. That is secondratejordan at gmail.com. S-E-C-O-N-D-R-A-T-E-J-O-R-D-A-N at gmail.com. And that actually leads me to a funny story. That's because I used to do uh, second-rate superfans. That's why I have that email. A lot of people ask me, why do you have an email? It's like, so you're the second-rate Jordan? You're not the best Jordan? No, I promise you, I am the best Jordan. I am. I am the one and only Jordan. I am. Uh, no, seriously, though, if you want a tip, go ahead. I would really appreciate that, only if you can, uh, to keep this thing going and build this baby. So once again, thank you. I appreciate everybody. Jordan signing out here, and we will see you on the next episode.